You are listening to Revival Talk. I'm Pastor Terry Bailey, and I want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Today, I'll be sharing a message entitled, 2022, A Year of Divine Visitation. For more information about our ministry, go to revivaltalk.org. If you have your Bibles, go and meet Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19. And I'm going to talk to you about 2022. And I've titled this, A Year of Visitation. Isaiah 43, verse 18, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now, everybody say now. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. They'll be on the screen. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who love, who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and the weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, glory. And that's not waiting like you're waiting in a waiting room at the hospital. That's not waiting like you're waiting around in anticipation. That is a posture of faith where you're standing and believing God. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When I was in the hospital on Wednesday, September the 8th, the Lord spoke these words to me. He said, rest in him. He is working. He's going to cause us to recover quicker and with greater favor. Your faith didn't fail or cause any of this that happened to you. This is not a result of anything you did or didn't do. This is the enemy trying to disrupt my plans. But I am going to redeem the time and there will be no loss. This was purely an attack of the adversary. And here's what he said that I'm going to preach about this morning. He said, because our church family stood in faith, got up early and responded with such fervency that he's going to visit us again with a tremendous outpouring of his spirit. I am declaring 2022 to be a year of divine visitation. This is a faith declaration. What is your faith declaration today? We must make the word of God our declaration. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory. 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved you and your household. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Luke 10, 19, behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Psalms 37, verse four, delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Matthew 28, 20, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I had someone who didn't like to fly tell me, I believe we're at a door of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
in the Old Testament book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. Joel prophesies, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. In the preceding verses, there is a call to repentance. In Joel chapter 2 verse 12, now therefore says to the Lord, says the Lord turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and he relents from doing harm. The apostle Peter quoted in Joel 2 verse 28 through 29. In Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, listen to what he says. He stands up and preaches the prophetic word of Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Now that's not to do with young men in age and, and old men in age, but it has to do more with maturity. Maturity in the things of God. And I'm going to tell you, God's going to visit some folks in some dreams this year. Some of you going to have some dreams and you're going to come. I'm looking at one right now for somebody. And I've been praying on it and meditating on it to get the interpretation of it. And some of you going to be coming to me and saying, Pastor, I had this dream and I need the interpretation to my dream. And listen, this is what's happening. We are living in the last days. If you believe that, say amen. Now, here's what. I still believe Jesus is coming. There's a whole group today that just says, well, it's not time for the rapture. Don't even believe in the rapture anymore. I still believe in the rapture of the church. I still believe Jesus is coming soon and we must be ready. First Thessalonians 5, beginning with verse 2. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Early on a Sunday morning in October, latter part of October, the Lord spoke these words to me. He said, revival, revision, and revitalization. I used this thought in a message that really became three messages that I preached over a course of a few weeks in November and December. Why do we need revival? Why did God speak the word revival? Well, why do we need a visitation of the Holy Spirit? Well, we need visitation because things get out of order in our personal and corporate lives. We need visitation because tradition overtakes truth. We need visitation because God's trying to awaken us to present truth. We need visitation because we're affected by what we see and what we hear around us. Visitation will bring healing for our fractured souls. We need visitation because it prepares us to embrace our new assignment that God has for us. So God visits us in revival and out of that revival comes a revisioning. Brand new vision comes forth. So we must have a fresh 
new anointing for the days that we live in. Our text, the first scriptures I read to you says, Behold, Isaiah 43, 19. Behold. That word behold means, I need your attention. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. To say we've been in a wilderness is an understatement. But I believe we're coming out of the wilderness this year. A very well-respected prophetic group has declared this year the era of the Holy Spirit and the year of upgrade. How many of you ready for an upgrade this year? I just got an upgrade in a computer. I went from a 2013 dual-core MacBook Pro to a 2020 M1 MacBook Air. Battery on my last laptop would last maybe two and a half hours. Battery on this laptop lasts for days. It's quick, it's snappier, and I loved my last laptop, but when I got this one, I fell out of love with that one because this one is a hundred times better, amen. It was an upgrade. Are you ready for an upgrade? James Gold writes, he says, a new generation of revivalists is being released to evangelize the great end-time harvest of souls. However, a generation of reformers are also arising who will reform their nations back to the biblical worldview The fear of the Lord will return to the church. Huge hunger amongst God's people will impact the world. And here's one that got my attention. People will once again redig the wells of revival. Places that once saw great moves of God will experience his visitation again. In fact, it is already happening. Revival involves weeping before the Lord for the sins of our nation. Tears are liquid prayers that bring the presence and glory of God. There will be meetings where a great sound of weeping for the state of individual souls will rise up before the Lord. There will be a passionate crying out for the salvation of the lost. At times, this travail will be quite dramatic. And God will pour out his spirit without measure upon a people without mixture. Those are the words of James Gall. We've been in a pandemic for nearly two years. People are weary. People are discouraged. And people are filled with anxiety. What do we need? We need hope. We need joy. And we need faith that comes from an encounter with the precious third person of the Holy Trinity. I found out that when I face hardship, and being a Christian does not make you immune to hardship, I found out when I face difficulty that if I can get before the Lord and I can talk with him and I can encounter his love and encounter his glory, it will fill me with faith to face whatever difficulty that I'm facing. I want to tell you this morning that we need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. What happens when we experience a visitation? of the Holy Spirit. Vance Habner writes, revival is the church falling in love with Jesus all over again. In Matthew 23, verse 37 through 39, Jesus laments over Jerusalem. Visitation is not always goosebumps. Visitation is not always dancing before the Lord. Visitation is not always experiencing his glory and falling out in the power and experiencing those overwhelming feelings. Sometimes visitation is judgment. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stoned those who were sent to her. 
How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Then again in Luke 19, Luke records the same event. Verses 41, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in your day, the things that make for your peace, but they're now hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Israel missed their time of visitation. Matthew says when you miss your time of visitation that it, things become desolate. Luke says it brings destruction. Desolation and destruction because we missed our time of visitation. Stephen Olford writes, Revival restrains the righteous anger of God, restores the conscious awareness of God, and reveals the gracious activity of God. What are the results of a divine visitation? Well, it can very well be a judgment because we have rejected God. So I pray right now, Lord, don't, don't let us miss our time of visitation because maybe it didn't look the way we thought it should look and it wasn't dressed the way we thought it should dress. But give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying so we'll know that this is our day of visitation and we'll enter into it in Jesus' name. So what are the results? Helen Calder says, when God visits, supernatural breakthroughs occur. Prophetic words are fulfilled. Seasons are shifted. And new things are brought to birth. Jesus gets the glory. So what happens when there's a divine visitation? Well, prophecies fulfilled. Genesis 21, verses 1, 2, and 3. And the Lord visited Sarah, and he said, And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son, who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. You remember God had prophesied, and Sarah had laughed. But Sarah's having a baby at 99. Prophecy's fulfilled. But notice secondly that Sarah's barrenness is broken. Genesis 21, 7. And she also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. I have borne him a son in his old age. Let me give you what the prophetic meaning of that is. Some of us have stood and believed God for many years and many seasons, and we've not seen the realization of what we believe for. But God's going to give birth to something even in our latter years, even in our older age. God's going to do something. And where we've been barren, we're now going to be fruitful in Jesus' name. I believe we're going to see prophecies fulfilled and barrenness broken in this coming year of God. Number three, God comes to deal with affliction and oppression. Oppression's a real thing. It's like the thumb of the enemy on you. It's a heaviness. It's a weight. It's almost like a depression that comes on you. It's supernatural. It's from, the, it's from the spirit world. It's not supernatural from God, but it's from the spirit world. It's from the enemy, and it comes against you to weigh on you. And oppression has to be broken, and we have to break it off of ourselves in Jesus' name. In Exodus 4.31, so the people believed. And when they had heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. I want you to see that. They heard that God was visiting them in their affliction. What did they do? They bowed their heads and they worshipped. Listen, worship's going to be very important in this time that we're in. 
It's going to be very important for us to worship. Sometimes you have to worship. You have to kind of praise your way through the heaviness. You have to praise your way through the oppression. Our worship brings deliverance and freedom. And in times of visitation, God deals with our afflictions. He deals with the oppression of the enemy. Exodus 3, verse 7 and 8. Listen to what the Lord said. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. God knows what we're going through. God knows where we're at today. God knows what's happening around us. God sees our sorrows. He sees our difficulties. He sees those moments, Lord, where we're overwhelmed by oppression. But listen to what he said. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from a land to a good and a large land to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and the Covidites. We're coming into our inheritance this year. Oppression's being broken this year. Glory to God. I don't know if y'all getting any help or not, but I done preach myself happy. The fourth thing that happens is provision. Provision. Ruth 1.6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, Naomi, husband dead, two sons dead, living outside of the land of covenant in Moab, an enemy land, and her two sons Mary, two Moabitess girls, and listen, she arose with her daughter-in-laws that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. She's from Bethlehem. The name Bethlehem means house of bread. That's what it means in the Hebrew. What did Jesus say? He said, I'm the bread of life. And there's a famine that drives them out of the land to go to a strange land in order to find food. And while they're there, her husband dies, her two sons die, and she gets two daughter-in-laws, one named Orpha, one named Ruth. Orpha followed her to the border and with many tears turned back and went back to Moab. But Ruth says, whether thou goest, I will go. Whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And Ruth today is in the lineage of the Messiah. Come on, somebody, and give God praise. And she hears that the power of famine is broken. When God visits his people, the power of famine is broken. Hallelujah. I declare 2022 will be a year of new provision. I got up, everybody else was in bed. I got up, me and the dog, my four-legged alarm clock, licking my hand. I learned to sleep on the other side where she can't reach me. And I woke up and I got up and I'm looking through my desk and I find a check. It's a good day when you find a check. And I put that check in the bank and I said, Lord, this means that there's going to be unexpected provision, unexpected blessing this year. I've come by to tell you that I'm not going to live according to the world's economy. I'm going to live according to the kingdom of God. And God's going to provide this year. This is our year of provision. I wish somebody would help me preach this morning. You say, I don't believe that. Well, you're going to live in poverty. But for the rest of us, we're going to be provided for. I didn't say God was going to give us all new Lincoln Continentals and Mercedes Benz, but God's going to provide for us. 
It's going to make a way for us. Come on, somebody. I read this. It says, A visitation of God broke a long season of famine in Bethlehem, Judah. That visitation had a chain reaction, and the testimony of God's goodness reached a grieving widow called Naomi who was living in Moab, and she moved to that place of visitation, and her inheritance and family line was restored there. Number five, deliverance comes when God visits his people. Jeremiah 29.10. How many of you know Jeremiah 29.11? We quote that. We have it up on the wall in our house. and It's a beautiful scripture, but let's go back to verse 10. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. I'm going to deliver you out of the bondage of Babylon and I'm going to bring you back to your place of covenant. Prodigals are going to come home this year. How many of you got people in your family that are prodigals and you, they need to come back to the Lord? Just lift both hands and just begin to declare they're coming home. Call their name. They're coming home this year. They're coming home this year. They're coming home this year. God promises to return them to their covenant place. Then last, number six, when there's a divine visitation, it produces an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Acts 3.19. I got a lot more to say that God, I feel like God's saying prophetic, but we're going to stop right here with these six things that happened during the time of visitation. God visited me in room 798, 7 South, and Med Hospital. Beth had gone home. I think we had had communion that night together because I knew I had to have God's help to get better. I was so weak, I couldn't get out of the bed. Matter of fact, when I came home, Troy and Larry carried me in the house. That's how weak I was. But God showed up in that hospital, and he said, Son... I've just given you the condensed version of it. And I wrote a whole thing on Facebook that night. I was inspired to do it and got hundreds of replies to it. And I said, I want to thank everybody. But God showed up, and I'm thankful for that. Let me tell you what meant more to me than anything. My church family got up early. Some of you fasted. You covered me in prayer. I couldn't pray for myself. I was out of it. And that night, here's what the Lord said to me. He said, son... Because your church responded the way that they did, he said, I'm going to visit them. You see, only God can take what the enemy meant for harm and turn it for good. He meant to take us out. He meant to make Beth a widow. He meant for me to go home prematurely before my time. Now, I want to go home one day, but I want to go in my time. Come on, somebody. But listen, that meant the world to me. And I mean, I can't tell you the hundreds and hundreds of people that have prayed and stood with us. But it was the prayers of this church that I believe is going to get God's attention. And God says, because you prayed and because you interceded and you stood in the gap, I'm about to show up and visit you. And I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. And listen, when there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it will lift us to a new place. It will encourage us. It will break off despair and sorrow and grief and pain. Change anxiety and anguish it will break that in our lives and he will bring us into a new place in him and we will see those we believe come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life somebody give God praise in this place <clears throat> revival is the visitation of God which brings to life Christians who have been sleeping and restores a deep sense of God's near presence and holiness thence springs a vivid sense of sin and profound exercise of heart in repentance, 
praise and love with an evangelistic outflow. Each revival has its own distinctive features, but the pattern is the same every time. First, God comes. That's what revival is. He comes. A visitation. On New Year's Eve, 1739, John Wesley, George Whitfield, and some of their friends held a love feast, which became a watch night of prayer to see the new year in. At about 3 a.m., Wesley wrote, The power of God came mightily upon us, inasmuch that many cried for exceeding joy, and many fell to the ground. Revival always begins with a restoration of the sense of the closeness of the Holy One. Second, the gospel is loved as never before. The sense of God's nearness creates an overwhelming awareness of one's own sin and sinfulness. And so the power of the cleansing blood of Christ is greatly appreciated. Then repentance deepened. The Ulster revival in the 1920s shipyard workers brought back so many stolen tools that new sheds had to be built to house the recovered property. Repentance results in restitution. When people start bringing back the stuff that they've stolen, we're having revival. When people get under conviction and have a sense of our own failures and our own lack and our need for God, that's revival. I don't know about you. I love the Lord. And I want God to visit every church. But my assignment is right here. And I want this church to be an epicenter of revival in this city. I want a visitation of God's Spirit unprecedented this year.